0: You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. We're getting a glimpse of Matt in 40 years right now. Oh, Lord. I was doing yard work today and uh, tweaked something in my back, and uh, Heather was trying to talk me into just calling Judd and going, Hey, Judd, you're up, dude, because every week I send my teaching notes to a couple key staff members. We started doing this during COVID. So in case any of us comes down with anything, you know, the teaching notes are out there for everybody to kind of work through. But I didn't want to hand this message off. And, uh, and, and you'll know why here in just a second, because we're going to talk about what's the point of giving. And uh, so I feel like as your pastor, it's important for you to hear from me uh, and the word of God on, on this, because there's a lot of baggage that this can create from the churches. If you've grown up in church, you probably have a little bit of baggage with it, you know, and uh, if you've grown up in church, you have baggage about something, right? And I mean, if you're just a human being and you got any amount of years on you, you got baggage about something. So, uh, but I, here's what I want you to do, because I know everybody gets a little funky about giving in church. So here, just, just look at your neighbor real quick. Just, just look at whoever's sitting beside of you and uh, smile at them. Yeah. Give them like a little fist bump. You can do that now. You can shake. even if, hey, you can hug them. You can hug them if you feel comfortable doing that. You can do that on your couch if you're sitting by yourself. You might have your dog or your cat, you know, love on your cat. You just, you just did something in church. Probably a lot of you never thought you'd ever say, I do. You just gave in church. You just gave someone beside you a smile, a handshake, a hug. You know, you gave them, you gave them uh, a warm greeting. I miss those days. Remember when we used to have this part of the service called the greeting time where you could actually shake hands and hug and everything? Uh, but it, you, know, you, just, you just participated in giving, and, and, and it's not that hard. And, and I want to spend some time with us this weekend talking about what's the point of giving because there's a lot of things we do in church that we just don't understand the, the point, right? And, and, and I feel like this is a good way to come back and connect the why, and why do we do the things we do? Because even as a pastor, there's times that I look at some of the things we do in church, and I'm just like, well, why do we do that? You know, what's, what's the point of that? And uh, I, I'd like to unpack that a little bit. So if you got your Bible, go to Second Corinthians chapter 9. If, if you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, we will give you one for free. We have uh, Bibles that we give away. Uh, so see us at the Welcome Center. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, behind me, or you can follow along on your smartphone. We put all of our notes and, and everything into this app, free app called UVersion. and you can go to the events tab and see. We put all the notes so you don't have to worry about, you know, what's he going to say next. Um, but you, you, can, you, you still have to lock in though, okay? Still lock in. Um, so 2 Corinthians chapter 9, um, this is a section where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's writing to encourage them about giving and helping out the Christians or helping out the church in Jerusalem. And, and what's happening in this time is you've got the gospel really spreading like wildfire. Churches are kicking up and churches are starting up. And, and it's amazing how they're, they're helping each other. And it just, it kind of starts dominoing. In verse 2 uh, of, of chapter 9, Paul talks about, you know, their readiness, but at the end of that verse, he says, in your zeal, he says, your enthusiasm about engaging in this work is stirring other churches up. And it's amazing how the things of God are contagious, that when we get involved with things that God is calling us to do and we kind of just lock in, it becomes contagious. It starts to spur one another on. I mean, it's even the author of Hebrews said, you know, let us consider how we can stir up one another and spur each other on to these good works and these works of love. And it just becomes contagious. And then he's going to go in and get to the point. And in verse 6 is where he gets to the point of, of, of the giving and gets to the point of what he's <clears throat> making, a, making a, an appeal to him for. But he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. What he's, what he's teaching is this principle, you're going to get out what you put in. I mean, a lot of us, are, 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 we all want a maximum return with a minimal investment, right? I mean, we just think that it's called the lottery, and uh, not many people get to win that. And, uh, but what he's saying is, is this, this idea of following Jesus and faith, and even when it comes to how we perceive giving, you really get out what you put in. And, and he's setting this up so he can really address in verse 7. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This should pull a lot of that, 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 that weirdness out of churches and giving, honestly, because uh, this is where he says this is a heart issue. He, he's talking on the tale of Jesus, even when Jesus said, you know, our giving is tied to our heart. And Jesus spoke about giving. Jesus wouldn't shy away from any subject. He wouldn't shy, you know, he, no topic was off limits. And he talked about giving because there's a, there's a huge tie to our heart with the things that we hold dear. And when we start hoarding and grabbing on and making it mine, this is mine, then, then it really starts to kind of create some heart problems with us as believers because it gets in the way. It starts to, it starts to get in the way of how we can interact and how we even look at our, even our stuff. And it's, it's not our stuff anyway. God owns it. He gave it to us. He trusts us with it. We're to be what's called stewards of it, which means we manage it. And we manage it like an owner would because we want to be that invested with it. But he says here, it's not guilt or compulsion that should lead anyone to give, especially when it comes to things of God. God wants it to be done from the heart, from, a, from an attitude uh, of, of cheerfulness. You know, I, I remember a story my father told me. Uh, he was a deacon in a church that I grew up in and... and um, <laughs> There was, a, there, there was someone that was not happy about some things in the church, but he came up and he handed his check, his tithe check, and he says, I want you to know I'm giving this under protest. And I love it, my dad did. He handed the check right back to him and says, until you can do this with the right heart, we don't want to hold on to this. I don't want to receive something that you're giving under guilt or compulsion or under protest. Because here's the thing, you're not giving it under an, an, an attitude of blessing, so therefore, we don't want that. In the, in the words of, 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 of what's happening in the movie Ricky Bobby, don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that on me. And, and, and what he's saying is, what Paul's saying is, look, this is an issue with the heart. You give cheerfully based on what God has called you to give. And some people go, well, that's New Testament, Old Testament. No, if you go back in Exodus to where they're, they're building the first tabernacle. And that that Moses is speaking the, the plans of God to the people of Israel. It is God who put it on the hearts of people to give. God didn't go through and just mandate everybody does this. He puts it on the hearts of people to give, and they gave, and they gave with glad and sincere hearts. They were encouraged to do this. Then you get into the Mosaic law where it talks about the tithe, and in Levitical law it talks about the tithe, and, and there were, you even see where that can even not carry a blessing with it because you would have Pharisees that would pick every tenth leaf off of their plant. You have Pharisees that would go down to the legal detail of of the tithe. Tithe means tenth. The first tenth is what we set aside for God. And then they're not even walking in blessing with that because they're doing it in such a legalistic way. God's saying, I want the heart. And when he has the heart, it changes everything. It it makes it look at, it changes the perspective from law to grace. That in the New Testament, some people go, well, does the New Testament, since Jesus came to fulfill the law, does that do away with the tithe? Man, if God put that on your heart, then whatever. But when you look at the life of Jesus, here's what happens. Jesus will say, you've heard it said, he's speaking of the law, but I tell you. And he always takes it to a higher standard because grace is always over the law. Grace always takes us to a higher standard. And what Paul is speaking to, listen, he's speaking to a church of people whose lives lives have been transformed by the very generous grace of God. And they're, they're now engaged in this grace giving. And he says, you don't do this under compulsion. A pastor should never guilt people into money. When we launched the church, Heather and I said, that's not going to be our deal. We don't, I don't trust you for, to fund the vision for this church. I trust God to fund it. And what he does is he brings us together and we do this together. That's why from day one, we started out with giving stations most of our giving is done online. A lot of you, since we've gathered again, you, can, you visit our giving stages, you handle that. And, um, and so we do it that way. But then, so there, there's something that happens um, when you start looking at verse eight through 11, you see some things that God does when we come to him with a cheerful attitude of giving. When we come to him in, in the right heart. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So what he's doing is, as we give out of grace, He's abounding more grace. He's pouring more grace on us so that having all sufficiency, sufficiency means enough, supply, that what you have is sufficient. So what God is saying is that I will make you abound in grace so that you have enough in all things at all times. You may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply, and get this, and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What he's he's speaking of is this principle where where when we put it in the hands of God, God operates in abundance. God God is never a God of, of, I don't know if we're going to make this happen or not. God is a God of abundance. God owns everything. And when he says, when you got your heart tuned right in this, then there's some things that I can do. I'm going to let grace grow in you so much more because your heart is tuned to me. You're pressing into me. I'm going to supply. I will meet all your needs. I will make sure you've got sufficient supply. And then he says, not only that, I can multiply it and increase it because he is a God of increase. He is, is a God of abundance. He says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So what God is doing, he's saying, look, when your heart is tuned like this, when it's submitted to God like this, I will make you abound in every good work. I'm going to enrich you because you're being generous. And generosity is something that it really, it's after God's own heart because God is a giving God. God doesn't withhold from us. God says, I have what you need. I mean, there's times that God will withhold what we want because he knows that what we want will destroy us. You ever seen that with your kids? I mean, your kid could be throwing that fit in the grocery store of something they want, but you know that's not something they need. I mean, most of the time with my kids, it happened in the cereal aisle. You know, Most of the time now, If it's Heather not the grocery store, and we don't go to the grocery store together a lot because she has to deal with the fit in the cereal aisle because I want the booberry, you know? (laughs) I want the sugar cereal. I want the good stuff, you know? I don't want the, the brand and the, I mean, I already showed you. I mean, I walked out here. You see a glimpse of Matt in 45 years. I'll have to eat the brand cereal then, okay? But right now, give me the good stuff. But what God's saying is, is I've got the good stuff for you so that you can be the good stuff for other people. God says, I, I'm generous to you. I bless you to be a blessing to other people. I mean, it's, it's even the story of Joseph in Genesis, right? Because for seven years, they have this, this abundant harvest, and they're storing away grain so that when the seven years of famine comes, Joseph opens a storehouse And he's able to be generous because God gave them such an increase of the seven years of good that he opened the storehouses to be generous and save the lives of of, of people. I mean, if you think about what God puts into your possession, he doesn't just give it to you for you. He gives it to you for his kingdom purposes. And what that... We see God enriching us so that we can be generous, and that produces thanksgiving to God. Why? Because we recognize that He's the one enriching us, He's the one supplying us, He's the one multiplying, He's the one increasing. He is the one giving us all grace. He's the one making us abound in every good work. It's not our efforts. And when we come to that realization of the bigness of His grace and the smallness of what we think we're putting into the game here, it, it just produces an overflowing thanksgiving heart to God, a grateful heart to God, because we realize I'm not worthy of anything you give me. I mean, there are times I I, I just I get overwhelmed by what God trusts me with. I mean, just coming back into back into the... The, the, the ministry, after taking a sabbatical, I mean, Heather and I just walked in the, 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 the campus the first time back, and just overwhelmingly, God, I can't believe you trust me with this. It's humbling, and it produces thanksgiving. And then what happens is it produces an outflow, because God does something in to do something through. It produces an outflow. Look at verse 12, for the ministry... Of this service, this service, this giving, why we give. The ministry of giving is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Other people are starting to become thankful to God. By their approval of this service, by their approval of us giving together, they will glorify God because of our submission, your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. And the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This inexpressible gift is the grace of God, that God pours this grace on us. And the ministry becomes an outflow of what he's doing in us so he can do something through us. Because it's never just about us. And when we look at this, it's easy for us to miss the point, right? Because most of us, if you've grown up in church, this idea of giving, we're not taught why. We're just told to do it. Well, why should I do that? The Bible says so. It's kind of like trying to reason with a kid, right? Why, do you, why should I have to do this? Why do I have to clean my room? Why do, because I said so. Because I said And you ever noticed that you get to a point where because I said so doesn't work? That now you have to start reasoning with your kids? That's exactly what God is doing with us because we all come to faith and we we, we start this process of growing and God wants to grow us up into adults who are spiritually strong. He wants to get us off of the milk and into the solid food and and what what happens in that is we have to be moved into revelation and that revelation begins to unpack the why, that it's not just because the pastor said so or the pastor says the Bible says to do it, so be obedient. Let's understand why and when I start thinking about why do I give you know I go back to what what's reflected in this passage and honestly listen it's what's reflected in the entirety of scripture because this is not this this is God's heart to us and he wants us to be connected to his heart and he wants us to get rid of the things that so easily entangle us and listen for us in this culture the thing that we Get so easily entangled with our financial issues. Because we look around at all the stuff everybody has, and somewhere along the way we start to reason that that stuff will make us happier, that that stuff will fulfill us. Listen, it doesn't. If you want to know how I can say that so confidently, read Ecclesiastes. I mean, Solomon said, I, I, I conducted the greatest experiment. I sought all of these things. I, I, I sought the sex, and the sex didn't fulfill me. I sought the fame, and the fame didn't fulfill me. I sought the wealth, and the wealth didn't fulfill me. What he, he concluded in that, he said, it's all meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. And it's only when he found that fulfillment in God and God starts to unpack the why. why. Why do we give? I mean, the first thing, giving is worship. It's, it's, it's our response to God. I mean, when I, when I really start looking at, at what Jesus has done to me, it, that heart of gratitude for what he gave to me on the cross. He didn't have to. Sin wasn't his issue to deal with. It was mine. But yet, because he's so rich in mercy and he loves us so much, and he so desires a connection with us that he gave his life on the cross. You know, there, there will be people that say, "Well, well, you know, the gospel's free," and and I beg to differ because it cost Jesus his life, and for us to receive that grace, listen to me, it costs us ours too. Because we have to lay down ourself and pick up our cross daily and follow Jesus. When I think about giving, it's, it's in response. My giving is in response to a giving God. It, it, it's, it's where I get so overwhelmed with what he's done to us. I mean, look, look at verse 13. It's that grace, right? That grace. We glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel. This gospel, this news, this message that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he was born perfect, that he was born of a virgin. He wasn't born like the means you and I are born by because he is God and he took the weight of the sin on himself and he bore the cost of it. He paid the penalty for our sin himself and himself alone. And when I, when I find my life kind of trying to figure that out, it just overwhelms me with gratitude. He gave to us through the cross, giving us what we don't deserve. I don't know if you've heard the, Heard how the difference between justice, mercy, and grace, right? You hear people, I just want justice. I just want justice. Well, justice is getting what we deserve. That in, in, in the whole scheme of events that our sin, we so rightly deserve death and hell. That's what, so if we're going to cry out for justice, then getting what we deserve is death, hell. And then mercy takes it, it starts to turn a little bit with mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. So think of it this way, where mercy is, I deserve death, but God's not going to put me to death. But grace, grace is giving me what I never deserve. It's giving me a place in the family of God. It's it's setting me as a co-heir with Christ. It's having the ability to have a relationship with God where He is Abba, He is Father, He is Dad. And I don't deserve that. But by the grace of God, He freely gave us that. And generous grace motivates generosity, it's an act of worship. That's why we do it the way we do it around the creek. Jesus said, When you give, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. When you give, give in secret so that your Father who sees what you do can reward you. So we, we, we have the giving stations. You, hey, you don't get more secretive than online because you, you're just doing that via your phone. But that's, we, we trust God in that, that way. And, and I would like to say something. If, if for those of you who give online, um, and that's, what, that's probably about 75 to 80% of our giving, um, especially since, since COVID. Um, but here's, I want to share something with you, that when we give online, when we use our debit cards or things like that, we pay a fee for that. Um, and that fee is about 3.5%. Um, in real dollars, what that looks like is, is in 2020, we paid um, almost $15,000 in, in fees. Think about that. This year alone, our giving has increased this year, year over year, 21 over 20, and we've already paid almost $9,000 in fees, not even halfway through the year. So on that track, you look about 18 grand a year that we're just handing somebody that we could put back in the ministry. So if, if you would consider doing something, if you're giving online, if you would consider doing what's called ACH, just put in your, your the, the routing number and all that, that's 25 cents a transaction versus three and a half percent. So it's just food for thought. And if you don't want to change the way you're going to do it, we consider that a cost of doing business. But if for some of you, you didn't understand that or didn't know that, that's an opportunity to put some dollars back into ministry because that begins to to make an impact. The funds that we put in changes things because giving is our love for others. That when we look at giving, it's not just an act of worship and a reflection of our heart to God, but giving is showing love for others. That when we give out of response to the gospel, here's something that happens. Needs get met. And that's been amazing to see. I mean it's been amazing to see that how how we do something together and that work uh, begins to multiply and God begins to increase it. I mean, it's, it's Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-eight. You know, He says, "Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work." But but the reason he does the honest work, the reason God calls us to work, why? So that we have something to share with someone in need. So that we can be a part of engaging the ministry of the saints. It's what He says. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying. The needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Listen, when we when we give and when we engage in this, I don't do this to build the church. There are places that we give in our community, in our world. That's not about growing the creek. I mean, when COVID hit, you you guys were already on, uh, in front of the eight ball with feeding kids in our schools. That the the worry is when they're out of school, they don't eat. I and mean, we support multiple Title I schools in our district and you are giving, and and, and I don't, it doesn't matter to me if any of those people ever came to the creek. Here's what I want them to know. I want them to be thankful to God because they realize I'm in need, and I need help, and somebody help me, and there are these people who call themselves Christians who follow Jesus as the way, and they did something in this community. Every time we do a mobile food pantry and people drive through, we get the opportunity to pray with them and talk with them, and that overflows. It's not just meeting needs. It's producing thanksgiving to God because people realize there's still people that care about them. When we do our Christmas blessing to see the parents' faces that have spent so much time stressing and worrying how they're going to have Christmas for their kids and you pull that burden off of them. Look, that's not about growing the church. That's about growing the kingdom. That's about supplying needs that produces thanksgiving to God. I don't care if it ever translates to butts and seats. I mean, so many pastors and ministries talk about, well, how do we get people in the church? How do we get, and I'm sorry for the term, but that's what they use, butts and seats. I mean, theaters use it, venues use it. It's how do you get butts and seats? Because that's what seats are made for, right? I don't care. What I care is that we're meeting the needs of our community. Because when we do this, why do we give? Because our giving makes an incredible impact in our community. Every little bit. I would never despise the small gifts because over and over God has shown how just even the small is multiplied to become part of something greater. The key is every one of us are called to engage with this. Some say, well, I can can give this much and some say, I can only give this much. But here's the reality, everybody can give. Everybody can do something. Because when we put it in the hands of God, remember God's a God of abundance. You remember the story? It's in all four of the gospels, the fish and the loaves, When Jesus is preaching and the disciples come and go, Hey, Jesus, it's late. These people are hungry. You got to send them home. They're going to get grungry. They're going to get hangry on us, and we don't need that kind of thing. You know, it's like the looks I get from our noon service some weekends. If I happen to go a little long, I mean, if the Spirit of God is moving, I'm sorry, He will satisfy your hunger while somebody's getting saved, okay? But they come to him and say, Jesus, you got to send him home. Jesus, like, you feed him. I can just imagine that look like. We don't. <laughs> I could spend my entire year's salary and not buy enough bread for all these people. But here's what happens Jesus says, What do you have? One of the Gospels talks of a little boy that gave his loaves and fishes. And I don't believe it was done under compulsion. I believe it was, I think it was probably like, hey, kid, you want to see a miracle? (laughs) But he put it in the hands of Jesus. And you know what I find interesting about that story? Heather and I were blown away. This, This just hit us on sabbatical when we were going through that story. God is sovereign, right? I mean, God knows everything, right? He knows the number of hairs on her head, they're all numbered. God knows everything. Nothing surprises God. Even before time, God knew that Jesus would be speaking to thousands and thousands and thousands of people on a hillside right before dinner. And God knew in his sovereignty and foreknowledge that that Jesus was gonna tell the disciples, you feed him. God in his foreknowledge knew that this little boy was gonna contribute the loaves and fishes that were gonna feed miraculously thousands of people. God knew this. So did God get something wrong? Because there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. I mean, if God knows exactly how many people are there and how much they're going to eat, why the 12 baskets? Why the leftovers? I believe because God wanted to show us, his disciples, that he's a God of abundance. That when you put what you think is an insignificant amount in his hand, he operates in the abundance, the multiply, the increase, the enriching. Because God is, he, he, he's a generous, giving, loving God. And listen, there's gonna be Christians who are poor and there's gonna be Christians who are rich and there's nothing wrong with that. But every one of us are called to be putting something in the hands of God and not giving under compulsion or guilt, but listen, not asking from greed or selfishness. Because when we look at this this care, this this care that God has placed in the hands of the church to care for the saints and care for the community, he wants our heart in the right place, right? That we're giving from a good heart, but listen, we've got to be able to receive from a good heart. Because the Bible says more blessed to give than receive, but it doesn't say it's a curse to receive. So we've got to learn how to receive. I have to work on that. I need help with that. And what Jesus is trying to get us to is really the heart of the matter. You know, he said in Matthew 6. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I was listening to, to one, one speaker, and he said, "If you show me your bank account, I'll tell you what you're what you're all about." Because where we spend our money, where we put our treasure, that's where our heart is. And Jesus is saying this because He wants us to have the right heart. And listen, is your heart mentality, is your heart mentality, that God is a God of abundance? Or do we tend to, we tend to take on this poverty mentality sometimes, where it's like, I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything to offer. What can my small piece do? There's a story where Jesus is standing with his disciples, and they're watching, I I don't watching the giving stations, right? And the Pharisees are making a big deal about dropping the money in. Clank, did you hear that? That must be an empty thing. You know, I mean, just, oh, man, I lifted all that gold into that box. Whoo! ah. I mean, that's because the Pharisees wanted their reward from it. And yet this widow comes up quiet and drops in two copper coins. And Jesus responds, she's given more than any of them combined. Because she gave out of the heart. He says she gave out of her poverty. Listen, she gave out of her poverty, but she didn't take on a poverty mentality. And I think some of that is the redemption of God that we start thinking differently. It's having our minds renewed so we think differently about what God is doing in our life. And we can start to have loose hands on the stuff that he gives us. Because Jesus also said in John 13, he says, A new command I give you, right? He didn't say, I'm commanding you to give. He said, I'm commanding you to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And what I've learned as a husband, as a father, and especially as a grandfather, that when you love, you give. And the grandkids seem to get it more easily than anybody else in my life. And I'm all right with that. I think they are too. (laughs) But when we love, we give. And this giving, what it does ultimately, you know, it supports the vision of the church. Now think beyond the creek for a moment because the creek is the local expression of where we gather as the creek family. But the church is much larger than us. The church is global. But our giving supports the vision of the church. It's a kingdom vision that we're supporting. See, becoming a Christian makes us a part of a movement. We join a cause. We join the movement of the gospel to go into all the world. And that that does take resources. Jesus' ministry, if you go to to Luke chapter 8, Jesus' ministry was financially supported by people. He says that we're moving around from town to town, and he's got the disciples with him. And he's got some of the, and the ladies that are with him. But look at verse 3. He says that they, that they were providing for them out of their means. That Jesus, listen, this is, I love this because it's teaching us something. Because we tend to think, well, God can just snap his fingers and the bills are paid, right? Now, yes, he's a miraculous God. But look at this. God The mission of the gospel, which is what Jesus has taken to the world, he brings people around to support the mission, to support the vision. What is the vision? To see people saved. I mean, when you you look at Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out the disciples, sent out the 72. And in verse 4, he said, don't take anything with you. But in verse 7... He says, when you come to a place and they provide for you, receive what is provided for you because the laborer is worthy of the wage. Even, I mean, I can go on. Paul, the apostle Paul was sent on these missionary journeys. Shipwrecked multiple times, but somebody had to pay his fare to get on the ship. And the people who gave, even why Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church, it's because it's funding, and it's providing for, supporting the vision of the church, <clears throat> to see people who are broken, dead in their sin, receive the life-giving salvation, grace of God. You and I are sent. <coughs> you and I are sent into all the world. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said, go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples. Well, what does that mean? Making disciples is somebody who follows Jesus. So how does somebody become a disciple if they haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior? So we take seriously the heart of God. Why do we give? Because it's our worship. It's the way I show gratitude to God. I'll never outgive God. It's the way I tangibly make a contribution to meet the needs of the saints and make an impact in our communities. And to see the movement of the gospel transform lives. I mean, the vision that we have at the Creek is to see people set in relationship, to see people saved, to see people set in family, to see them connected in this relationship we call the church where there's life and there's relationship. We want to see them set free. Some of y'all need to be set free today from from where the enemy has lied to you about giving and where he's lied to you about where your supply and your source really is. And and, and maybe just where, where you need to be set free is you need the grace of God that he's giving. You need to receive the grace of God so that he can heal some of the wounds that you carry about giving so that he can heal some of the lies that the enemy has planted in you and told you that somewhere along the way that it just, it just doesn't make sense and then we want to see people set in motion we want to see people engaging in the gospel movement that's why we give And I'm praying for some of y'all to get that freedom because the good news is God's grace is available. It's abundant. All you gotta do is accept it. And so what's the point of giving? The point of giving is to keep our heart connected to our generous God of abundance and change the world. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for, you are a generous God thank you for blessing us and Jesus thank you for your great love that led you to give your life on the cross that that opened up a way for grace through what you did for us and I hope people will give their life to you out of response to your gift to them you gave us the very best Jesus yourself and I pray before we ever give anything else That we give ourselves to you all of us all of our heart all of our mind, all of our soul all of our strength we give it to you we give it to you for this inexpressible gift of grace and salvation you freely gave and now we can be free givers God I just pray that you would forgive us when we miss the point about this and we become selfish. We become greedy and we become prideful about it. And help us to be the generous people that you've called us to be so that we can see more lives changed, more lives saved, all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast. Or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at